saving money when you start your next project today at Menards. Check out our great selection of garage and utility lighting options in stock, ready to take home today. We carry everything to help you illuminate whatever project you're working on. Shop garage and utility lighting products in store at your nearest Menards. You can also view all of our entire selection of lighting options today on Menards.com. Save big money at Menards. Um, name's Ben Butler. Um, I'm in second year GMIT doing animation and game design and I'm 20. Lovely. And uh, we were talking earlier before we started recording. Are you excited about the podcast? How do you feel? Yeah, big time. Um, I've I've actually only recently gone into listening to podcasts, but I think it's something everyone can do. It's um, it's fairly accessible, you know. I think it's a, it's pretty cool. It's really really cool to be part of one as well. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Um, no so um, since it's like Mental Health Awareness Week, like I'm just gonna ask like to tell me about your experience with mental health and anything that you want to talk about. Talk about. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, cool. Um, I, I've had uh, experiences with mental health from a very, very young age. I think I uh, got a first diagnosis with anxiety and depression when I was maybe, God, I think I was in second year of secondary school. So what age is that? Like 15, coming on 16 or 16-ish. How did um, the, um, sorry, no, how did the like diagnosis come about? Like, did you um, notice symptoms and then, uh, like, raise raise it with your parents, or? Yeah, um, well, it was kind of, up until then, it was, like, an ongoing series of problems. Um, my, actually, my mom passed away when I was maybe five or six-ish, and um, I think that sort of created, like, a knock-on effect to multiple other things. Now, our family was in, kind of all around the place at the time, so... Um, I think initially, actually, when I, the first time they actually started considering diagnosing me with something was actually a suicide attempt, which oh, is... I'm uh, sorry that you had to go through that. No, it's totally okay. It's um, like so many people go through it. It's, uh, it's got a stigma around it, kind of, and it's, uh, it can be quite difficult for people to move on from. But because I was quite young, there was, um, there was a lot of time for me to kind of figure it out after it sort of happened. Yeah, what age were you? Um, I think I was. I think it was the summer after first year. So, what, 14 or 15 around that time? Yeah. So common, um, though. Like, for yeah. the kids that age to be so anxious and in such a bad place and also no yeah. like, awareness of their own, like, thoughts and... Yeah, hugely. Um, And it was... It was a challenging one because um, at such a young age, it's, they're, 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 especially in the kind of CAMS unit, and sort of they're very reluctant to give a diagnosis at such a young age, especially considering that we're kind of still developing emotionally and mentally and everything, all that kind of stuff. But um, quickly after that, I think maybe four or five months after that, I was put on medication for anxiety and depression. It was called sertraline. Um, and I was on that up until about leaving search when I went cold turkey on it completely, which I do not recommend it. I completely regret it to this day, but regret, regret what like coming off cold turkey or coming off it? Kind of, I, 
I kind of I had this mentality, this, this idea in my head that I didn't want to go into college, the whole college life and experience and kind of not be able to feel it fully, do you know? Yeah. Um, That's understandable. Is, like yeah, to think like that. Yeah. And especially yeah, when yeah. college is so hyped up when you're in, like, say, leave insert. Um yeah. and it's like it, kind of like the the like Hollywood depiction or like the American depiction of secondary schools and you're so excited you think yeah. everything's going to be amazing like yeah for sure yeah um or not I kind college, of, sorry. yeah no I did I kind of I just I, I don't know I kind of wanted to experience it fully now uh, uh, all doctors will tell you never to go cold turkey on uh, any medication at all and I was on a fairly high I think it was on 175 or 200 milligrams or whatever. Look, I have no idea what that means, but I was told it was quite high. Um, I, I'm not sure if it has had any kind of negative uh, adverse effects, kind of going cold turkey. Um, Probably just like a huge shock to your system, like. Yeah, it was, it was bizarre. And it was very strange for, I think it was maybe a week after that, going from relatively feeling very very little which is kind of and they'll say medication's not meant to do that but that's what happened for me and I was kind of I was too young to speak up and talk about well maybe we should try a different medication and even going into trying medication um especially as a teenager you don't want to seem how do I put it like excited to try medication do you know what I mean because yeah. then like from a doctor's perspective they well in, in in my eyes they could look at that and go okay this fella's fucking playing around he just wants meds like do you know what I mean were you ever asked like um did you ever like when you went to get your, your prescriptions or whatever mm. did you ever um like have check-ins and they would like ask how is this medication suiting you and stuff like that yeah um a lot of the time see the the CAMS unit is uh what i was in it's like a psychiatric team that will kind of be attached to a, a teenager or child or whatever yeah, i went to cams actually uh, when i was in secondary school for the first yeah. year it's um it's great like what how was your experience with them um <clears throat> it was odd uh, it was strange and i felt well and look at this isn't speaking for the entirety of the CAMS unit, but the team that was working with me, um, it just, it seemed very, like in, in my life, I had very little stability. There was, it was moving from house to house. It was from person to person, et cetera, et cetera. Like loads of people are in that situation and still are sadly, but um, there was very little stability. It'd be like a new kind of doctor every week. It'd be Kind of a new assessment the same questions are you hearing voices or blah 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 um, yeah. suicidal thoughts all that kind of thing but i thought it was nearly going to those meetings i thought was like counterproductive because you'd leave feeling i don't know like you like you were hiding something or if because like these people are there to essentially kind of judge you on what your mental health what your mental state is um and you it's almost like you never and i it's a huge trend on tiktok as well or i know i got all my information from tiktok nowadays but um do you never really want to say everything you need to say and especially as a teenager that can be incredibly hard yeah 
it's so uh, like again when you're a teenager you don't have experience or awareness so yeah. how can you like it's really hard for people to find the words to vocalize how they feel especially when they're yeah, young yeah. Like. Usually, and even yeah. in that situation when like you know they're all experts and you know you're only a, you're only a kid too you're only just trying to make sense of things like it's really intimidating like environment almost yeah. it is it's really it's really scary and to be in the like clinical settings are can be very very off-putting for people and the cams you know in where i'm from originally which is Mullingar, they like there was names etched out in the kind of waiting room ever it seemed quite ominous like there was no kind of comfort or warmth to it and i think anyone that especially at a young age if they were frightened going in like, like i think that's horrendous like i mean i know there's obviously serious issues of funding but you know little bits you know yeah because yeah, i remember my first consultation with cams um i went in and i just told them like i as best as i could how i felt i just had a huge um shock going into first year of uh, secondary school and i mm. lost a lot of weight and i had this uh, i kind of developed like an, an eating disorder over the summer from secondary school or from primary school to secondary school and i mm. thought if i was a certain weight then i would be like popular and happy in secondary school and then it just yeah. hit me like a ton of bricks because it wasn't what I expected like not the american dream or whatever but the yes. first thing that they said in the first consultation after speaking with me for maybe 20 minutes was like they looked at my parents and, and the lad or the man i can't even remember like who they were their names or whatever but the man just goes to my parents like well do you want to put her on antidepressants Jesus. so at, at 12 like so it's it's oh. mad how quickly um drugs are prescribed and offered to such young teenagers and do yeah. they offer any um other services like counseling or like what is the i had weekly counseling yeah um and it's like a counseling slash consultation they like just mm. give you feedback on how you're getting on or whatever okay so I went to that for a year but also um i remember going to a doctor like it was like the same day my parents just panicked and brought me everywhere um to uh, top mom was like she's not eating and I don't know how to get her to eat and the doctor looked at me and looked at my mom and she was like well she's not underweight so what's the problem basically it's just mental Jesus. Like, yeah it's mental. um it's frightening that in places where they're actually like it's their job to deal with and especially like one one wrong word said to a child could have adverse effects in adulthood in whatever like in the like close future and a lot of people in, well, that I've seen in the HSE and dealing with kids and mental health, they, they seem to don't know what the fuck they're doing, mm. which is like heartbreaking. It's like, it's so sad. And especially mm. to think that um, teenagers or kids that don't have um, like awareness of self or they don't know why they're feeling this or like they don't even have an inclination of what the whole mental health thing is. I'd say it can be absolutely devastating. It can cause serious problems. Mm, absolutely, because even um, as you said, like one wrong word to a child can like do so much damage. Even that doctor, yeah. I remember saying to my mom, well, she doesn't look underweight. And I remember thinking, well, now I have to lose so much more weight. The doctor actually did more harm than good, you know, yeah. like she yeah. directly commented on my weight in the room. You know, it's like the worst yeah. thing you could do for a young child in, in that situation. Yeah. Especially okay, someone yeah. dealing with body image issues. Yeah, absolutely.
but like the fact that both of you remember your like them days so vividly like it obviously tells something too mm -hmm. like you know yeah, so yeah. That it's um it's obviously like it's a crucial moment in your life of course like you know it's the first day that you're reaching out for help or like you know you're like obviously like your parents I suppose like brought you there too so they're mm -hmm. like you know and ugh, dealing with it that badly like it's um it's a problem obviously you know within the HSE yeah. or whatever um and it's and especially going into secondary school I know when you go into college you're a little bit more equipped socially but secondary school is a completely different ball game to primary school and it can be like I've said this to friends that um there's something about secondary school for me that felt like I I was in survival mode you know and having to that, yeah. sort of mental health on top of that like mental health issues is it's so challenging and it's um and i like a lot of the time when teenagers or kids talk they're they tend to be told to shut up because a lot of the time they are talking shy but it's um it's so unbelievably challenging like secondary school is incredibly difficult for a lot of people like with or without mental health it's socially it's quite difficult yeah absolutely and people don't talk about it um yeah it's like uh, I feel like I've spoken to so uh, I've spoken to so many people recently, um, uh, who like like you said, um, has have described it as survival mode, and then I thought mm. I, I like kind of thought back to myself and I remember getting off the bus, walking into school every day, and my heart was beating like out of my chest every day just from walking yeah. in, like the amount of stress that puts on your body for for how many years, and it's just oh hugely uh, yeah, um, do you want to like talk about like your experience in secondary school? Um, yeah, I had, to be honest with you, I had a very, um, I had a pretty normal experience in secondary school. Um, in first year, I was quote unquote straight then, which was uh, fun. But uh, <laughs> sort of after that, I kind of came out or whatever. And uh, I think I'm one of the very few that there was no sort of negativity thrown my way or there was no kind of like I never got like a comment here or there or a sort of like people would obviously ask me questions or you know um and like especially coming from a place like Mullingar it's dodgy and there's <laughs> like there isn't a like an amazing kind of group of people it's a very very small town but um it's I never had a major issue with the whole kind of being a vendor thing um but I'd say other people have, and I'd say it was quite challenging. Mm. And actually, I was listening to a podcast podcast quite recently that um, uh, it's there's two drag queens, Trixie and Katia or whatever. But uh, she said that, or he said that, back in secondary school, there was always that one gayer kid who acted more flamboyant that took the brunt of it, so you didn't have to deal with it. Which yeah. is kind of he was the you know, in air quotations the gay guy like exactly yeah the stereotypical kind of everyone throw their jokes at you know what I mean sort of thing yeah. um so I I was very lucky that I even after I came out and I had girlfriends back then and everything and uh, I was I I think I just got very very lucky um the being gay and that whole coming out thing wasn't a major part of my sort of mental health issues and never really was um. 
but like it can be so challenging. But I've seen it being I've seen it be challenging for people. And is that off-putting? Like, you know, the you said that you saw it like be challenging for people, like for yourself, mm. did you feel like there was um, you know, maybe that like observing that was like holding you back or anything from coming out? Um uh, probably. Yeah, probably a little bit. Um I don't I'm not sure. Probably. Um, like I mean, I've seen and especially in kind of lab groups because I'm back then especially I acted as straight as possible for fear of it even being brought up or speculated even by the time I came out but like when you hear about lads in groups especially talking about all oh, that fellow was uh, I don't know talking fully with his hands or like like minute things that groups of lads would just pick apart yeah. just to fucking bully someone which is like a performance of masculinity like could i ask like what were the things specifically that you would do to act straighter um deep in my voice i'd um kind of walk my shoulders out i i wouldn't i talk about i don't know fucking fifa or like whatever shite lads were talking about i'd like and to be honest with you even back then i'd even go as far as to talk about women the way that other lads were talking about women that like horrible degrading sort of objectifying way which is again and I'll put and obviously not excuse and I regret it to this day but it's it's that survival instinct that that kicked in for me in secondary school yeah um I feel like I don't know I'm personally still naive to um, like say the I don't know how like the the typical like lads group WhatsApps or whatever, um, mm. and like lad you know that it all comes hand in hand like with lad culture the way they objectify mm. and speak about women I feel like I'm naive to how bad it is like those conversations in secondary school do you know yeah. yeah you see it come up like I remember like in the media and you're just like oh like. I, I don't know yeah I not the lads I know yeah not the lads yeah. you know, <laughs> but okay. you do hear of it and I don't know I suppose it is um it's curious on our part because uh, we could be just more naive than what we actually yeah see mm. you know did you find in secondary school like that it was very common um it was common and it wasn't it depends what sort of lad group you were in or what sort of kind of group of lads you found yourself in conversation with um and a lot of it had to do with kind of the more, well, you'd hear it a lot more from the lads that were like out the country or that didn't have sort of, and like a, like, I, I, and look at this as a, I could be completely pulling this out of my arse, but there's a, there's a big difference between the like social development of a child that would grow up in an estate and then a child that would grow up out the country. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I think like being around kids at a young age and having uh, quite sociable parents and that sort of thing can kind of bring you up um, emotionally, development wise. But I think like a lot of lads out the country, they'd be learning their information from like the Internet or like at a football thing or whatever. And um, their parents aren't actually teaching them about how to properly respect a woman or how to. Uh, talk about sex in a normal way where it's like taboo it's like catholicism kind of yeah. background shebang thing um such a good observation but, though like it is true 
Yeah, hugely. And I think, um, like, if you look at parents that see sex as taboo or see the kind of con- conversation, even like personal pleasure, like all that kind of crap, um, that has an adverse effect then on their kids. And the only way they find information about sex or uh, a woman's body or a man's body or whatever it is, is through kind of talk between lads which yeah. can be like joking very juvenile can be offensive and if that's yeah. all they really have to go off especially if like one lad is telling, sorry especially how if one lad is um you know the educator in those groups and they're all learning from each other and he's yeah. learning um all his information from porn like yeah 100 percent. yeah it can be it can have such negative effects and porn is a huge issue porn is a huge issue for absolutely everyone now i don't know if what effects I've never I haven't seen effects of it personally um but I'd say that has and I I like I remember for the first time seeing like a naked picture of somebody the first time seeing porn or whatever I still think I was too young I was probably 10 or 11 and that was when I got like my first laptop it was this like and I thought I was like the coolest kid ever went into school and I was like, you're not going to believe what I see. Like, I thought it was brilliant. But then like you see kids that are four or five glued to an iPad now. Yeah, yeah. imagine. And you're thinking like, like, like how, they probably know how to access these things or they could just stumble upon it, do you know? Mm. Actually, when you think back to a child or like when you think back to childhood memories and you see something kind of pornographic or sexual, it is traumatizing. Like, yeah, it is. Your, your oh, brain can't make sense so, of it. Yeah. Yeah. I, remember, I actually remember one time like running into mom and I was like like my my new lies like I used to call like my vagina and I was like my noodle feels tickly because of something I saw on the TV and you don't know like what to do with that like. <laughs> yeah yeah everyone oh, I can't has the story <laughs> you're gonna have to keep that in <laughs> um but yeah it can be it can be like bizarre and especially and I was actually, I was watching, there's this uh, thing I watch on YouTube called the Soft White Underbelly. And they do like interviews with, it could be uh, prostitutes, uh, incest survivors, rape survivors, heroin addicts, uh, whatever. But um, uh, I was actually having a conversation with a friend about it. And it's frightening the variation of sexual development in children. I think it's, I think it's, uh, it can vary so wildly especially in lads and it can have again a negative effect and breed horrible cunts yeah um how did you educate yourself about gay sex um that is a good question i i think it was through trial and error to be honest with you um probably porn there's uh even like even back when i was growing up there was very little gay representation on television. I think there was one gay fan in EastEnders once, and I thought that was the bee's knees, like, you know. Mm. But um, I'm not sure. I think it kind of just, it kind of just happened. Like, there's something about, I think, uh, gay sex and probably lesbian sex, there's, um, it's a little bit more symbiotic. There isn't that sort of performance element. Well, there hasn't been for me anyways, but, um, I think there's a crazy amount of pressure when it comes to straight sex. And I think the first time I ever had sex or whatever, 
I think it, it was it, it was natural. There was no sort of performance element for me, anyways. That could I I could be completely singular, yeah. No, absolutely. Um, it's actually so interesting. Um, how sex a lot of the time can be so stressful. Um, if yeah. you don't know someone like one night stand, whatever, because both sides are performing. You know, the girls performing femininity, the boys performing masculinity, mm. and. It, absolutely so much pressure and so little conversation around it but yeah, um, big time. i don't know if you know uh florence given um i do not know um she's like a big feminist um writer like me and emma are, are like massive fans of her but um she talks a lot about how gay sex is so much um more enjoyable because as you said more symbiotic more conversation yeah. they're like i can imagine that the you know, the performance roles are dropped and it's just like two people working together. hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree with that. Um, the thing is with, especially gay people, we have, there's a lot more access to sex than there is, um, forming relationships with other gay people. I, well, I think, um, sex is easier to get. It's quicker. Um, you don't have to form an emotional attachment. But it's when it does happen, it's again symbiotic. Two people are going into it to get what they want, not to improve social status or not to show someone else that they've had sex or whatever. Do you know what I mean? So, um, that'd be interesting actually. Would would the kind of age of grinder and these sex apps have an adverse effect on yeah uh, forming intimate long term relationships with people? Because the reason I asked the question about gay sex is um, I was talking to one of my friends before and he was saying entering like the gay scene for the first time, um, mm. he had like bad experiences um, because he found it like aggressive. It can be it can be incredibly lonely to be gay. It can be incredibly lonely and especially when you're not quite sure what you're feeling you're not quite sure if you're meant to feel it. Um, it can be it can be incredibly scary, and and we're not actually educated with information about same sex uh, intercourse. You know, yeah, in um, schools, so it can there's be absolutely no terrifying. education on same sex sex luck. No, not at all. Like I, I'm only twenty now, so I left or whatever age I was when I was uh, doing sixth class in primary school. That was about the height of it, I think. And that was like a nun came in, told us about her miscarriages, showed us a picture of a penis and left, you know. <laughs> and then the only time we ever really talked about then again was like biologically in biology. And it was diagrams. It wasn't kind of like ideas about sex or um, different types of sex or do you know what I mean there was like very little information and I actually I'd love to know um, how they're teaching it now in secondary schools and primary schools yeah, like yeah. they probably even aren't yeah yeah but like that we had no uh, sex education in secondary school only in sixth class or fifth class it was described to us like when a mummy and daddy are married mm. and love each other they cuddle really close and then they have a baby and that's sex and it feels really Literally. nice but like the marriage and the mummy and daddy and the baby, like it's just all shit, bullshit. Yeah. Like. Oh, 100%. Yeah. And like it's 
I, and to be honest with you, I actually get surprised when people tell me things like, but their parents are still together or they have somewhere to go home at the weekends or, you know, like mad stuff like that. <laughs> so we never always laughing at that. All our friends go home at the weekends. We're like, grow up. Thanks uh, <laughs> to God. Yeah, it, 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 it's so bizarre to me that nuclear family kind of vibe. Yeah, honestly. Um, but like that too, I'm always like surprised when I hear people's parents are still together. I'm like, wow, that's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> that's that life. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I always assume that Christmases. it's like, sorry? They don't have two Christmases, what the hell? Yeah. yeah. Stop it. Like, oh, it's mental. But I like, that's the thing now, like with, when you are going into college and stuff, like I find like, you know, sex, like it's, like I'd be like anxious over it sometimes because like I'm like well I'm straight I'm so-called educated on it but I'm not at all like you yeah. know what I mean like yeah it's um it's I feel like for our age anyways like I know you can like get your information or whatever and like read books and everything but at the same time like I still like feel that there is a taboo over it yeah you know yeah mm. the um and to be, a huge reason for that could be was that this is this is still quite a Catholic country, where yeah. like the idea of sex can equate to sin or whatever bollocks they come up with. Um, so like it's always going to be taboo. Yeah, there's no escape. I think men especially find it. Like I've seen men like when they go to talk about sex, they nearly kind of squirm. They kind of freak out a little bit um yeah. which is i think hilarious to look at but um like if you look at then women talking about sex they seem to be very a lot more open about it even though it is kind of embarrassing to talk in detail about your love life or uh, your personal stuff whatever um men struggle with it, i think a lot more than women. yeah i was I, that's actually such um like a good comment because like say like our experience as women like you know, you have sex with someone and you, you can talk about it with your friends, you, you know, mm. but in the sense that it's not like, oh, I rolled a sexy lad. It's like, you know, this happened, this happened and this was weird and I didn't like that yeah. or whatever. You have a space to talk about that or, you know, that yeah. whatever. But um, I do wonder um, from you saying that, like, can lads talk, you know, we did this and I didn't like this or whatever. Do they have that space? You know, not a generalization. Yeah, I'd say, look at it. Um, I'm not trying to put all men into a bracket. I'm a fellow as well. I live with two lads. Um, like there's, I've met some amazing lads, but I think yeah, it depends what kind of circle you get them in or it depends what um, kind of situation. But I think from experience, I think men do struggle a little bit to talk more about the emotional side of sex rather than the physical side of it. Yeah. Um, which, in my opinion, is the far more important side of it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that's so interesting. Um, okay, uh, where were we there talking about um, secondary school? Yeah, um, do you think, when you were in secondary school and you were, um, sorry now to like, jump topics, I hope you're okay no, with you're that. Right. Um, in secondary school, when you were on the medication, did you attend counselling as well? Yeah, I attended Kenson. I went to a child psychiatrist and even at the age I was, I kind of, I kind of wasn't really 
kind of child psychiatry wasn't really my thing. She kept wanting me to play with sand, and I was like, what, 15, 16? And she'd pull out like a lot of toys and she'd be like, which one represents you? Whatever. And like rubbish to me in my, oh my mind. God. Like, she might have been working something out in her head and not telling me, but I highly doubt. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Um, and then it progressed then as I got a little bit older year by year to psychotherapy and then uh, kind of one-on-one counseling without the sand and the toys, thank God. Um, and yeah, it's kind of, um, I've kind of been going through, and actually even after my mom died when I was about five or six, that's really when I started counseling. Um, and then I kind of stopped and came back and stopped and came back um, and back in counseling now. So I, like to say that like mental health never really is solved, I think. I think it's something that uh, people have to live with for forever, if not like a long time. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think as well, um, like even from talking to friends and they feel anxious or whatever. And I remember feeling like this as well, or, you know, when you feel so low and you're like, there's something wrong with me, there's something wrong with me, something's wrong. But mm. the thing is, you, when you feel like that, you want to cure, you want the answer. But mental health is constant maintenance, like. Hugely. So, yeah, um, there's no kind of one fits all solution. And as I got older, especially I kind of realized that um, that there's multiple different things you can try but it's going to be a like a long-term process that you're going to have to deal with and something you have to be very conscious of because it, it will affect things in the future how you socialize how and um, you interact with people your work your love life like everything it's 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 better to be mindful of it Mm. Um, then try and be blissfully unaware and ignore it. Yeah. I know, um, I know myself, like I went to counseling and I went, um, uh, like, like yourself, I suppose my dad passed away and anyways, she, um, you know, we were there and we were talking about it and, but like what we actually ended up discussing was another thing. And like it actually like that was actually the bigger problem at the time. It wasn't. Yeah. Um, it wasn't my like dad's diagnosis or whatever. But like it's amazing, though, um, you know, how they can, you know, pull it out of you or like, you know, like it's not like sometimes it's not like what you think is affecting you is affecting you yeah. in a way like presents something else. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Yeah. 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 Big time um hugely especially if you have like if you're especially if you're really dealing with trauma there's um there's a multitude of things that could have led to trauma being worse or do you know what i mean like i mean it's quite a it's very complex it's for the philosophers to decide yeah yeah and just like learning coping coping mechanisms and stuff like and just being aware Mm. of things i find um that it's great like it's great tool to have like did they bring you through the whole CBT thing? 
No, honestly, it didn't even get that far into um into that. Like it was mainly yeah. it just brought on got brought onto another topic, like sort of straight away. She was sort of like, you know, um, I don't know, with that it was sort of just like the grief stages or whatever. But um no, I not really, but what is CBT? Uh it's cognitive behavioral therapy. I think that's the Yeah, that's right. Sorry. What it is. Um it's I think they just try to well what they did for me I, I didn't do a CBT course but I was told later on that my uh, therapist was actually implementing CBT kind of tricks or whatever I think it's just by re rewiring your brain to um, kind of fix the way you think about things it worked for some people and it doesn't work for other people um, didn't work for me that well um, but it can be it can be really positive I think like headspace talk about it a lot or it's like apps or whatever mm. do you use any apps um i accidentally bought a subscription to headspace like <laughs> i did that too <laughs> so yeah i was rage. i thought i had it cancelled and then apple just took everything out of my bank account mm. um yeah i look at it, it used to work for me a lot better the whole uh, uh breathing exercises and meditation and that sort of thing but um as I've gotten older and I've got so much more on with college, with um, with if I get this job, like there's it's just kind of, it's very hard to switch your brain off. So I've resorted to like the unhealthy thing, which is having something on my iPad, having something on my phone, looking at something on my computer and like so much stimulation that I can't think. Yeah. Which is I'm pretty sure what everyone's doing there at the minute. Yeah. It's hard to get the balance between being gentle with yourself with everything that you're dealing with for not having the unhealthy habits, but then also mm. not having unhealthy habits. Like it's it's so hard to get the balance, isn't it? Especially when oh, it's frightening. You just want to give yourself a bit of reprieve, like um, you know, even small things like uh, like saying watching Netflix before bed instead of reading a book, like yeah. Little things when you're feeling low and you're like, I'm not helping myself, but I'm I need a bit of joy, like. A hundred percent, yeah. I, but again, I've, I've so much time for wallowing in self pity. <laughs> I think it's, I think it's great. I think it's very beneficial. Um, yeah, and I, I actually agree with you there. But like, I have, I'm such a big advocate for like allowing. Do you know? Yeah, oh, hugely. Yeah. Allowing your emotions, allowing feelings to stay as long as they need to stay, instead of being like, I need to be better. I need to be better. You know. Yeah, hugely. Um, that's. I would be 100% on the same page with you. Um, but with, as well, as, especially in my college course, I found that it's um, been nearly impossible to kind of take a break, you know, or kind mm. of give yourself some time to actually be in a shady mood, you know, like let yourself actually get it all out, get even angrier, or get even sadder if you can, do you know what I mean? Um, but especially with my course because it's creative and it's so full-on it's so difficult to do yeah so true though um i like even what you said about getting sad or whatever i do think sometimes it's good to like go into the emotion instead of trying to mm. resist it hugely yeah yeah i agree mm. um i'm gonna ask you uh, like a few random questions just from like things you've said that have been really interesting is that okay if we're like jumping topics again of course yeah yeah cool yeah um so Back to um, dating and the loneliness that comes with being gay. 
um mm. like how, what's your experience been with gate or gating apps oh, new marketing dating <laughs> apps um and like going on dates and stuff like that um uh, um to be honest with you i i don't have much time for dating i have <clears throat> i've I no desire first i don't get that kind of you're yearning that i need a partner when i think about it or when it gets close like a date or two in <clears throat> i'm gone i freak i like it i can't do it i have no i've no real time for it obviously look that's a personal thing that needs to be dealt with but um i, I inter- uh, i'm not to be to be honest with you i'm not um deeply entrenched in the gay culture of galway i know like one or two gay lads that know every gay lad in like this side of Ireland you know what I mean like it seems to be quite a community click sort of thing I don't know what it is I, I have no personal time for it um but look at you never know I'm still yeah. only young yeah um another thing what was I going to ask um yeah I just wanted to uh let you talk a little bit more if, if you want about yeah. um, when you came off the medication cold turkey and how that affected mm. you um i think when so i kind of went cold turkey on it and for the first i think the day after i was like okay this is all right this is fine there's no real kind of um because uh someone else in my family down the line had gone cold turkey on medication and uh they were giving me horror stories that it was this like complete paranoia, <clears throat> locking yourself in a room, not being able to eat, freaking out, bordering on hallucinations. First, maybe two days passed after I went cold turkey and I went, okay, this is fine, I can do it. And I third or fourth day kicked in and it was terrifying. Like it was locking yourself in your room, not going to school, freaking out, thinking someone's after breaking in from the quietest noise, but like not like, not like the fear you get if you just heard something like a, like in the house when you're on your own, it was, you were certain someone was breaking in. Like you were certain all these negative things were going to happen. And then it was panic attack after panic attack. And then maybe a week late, I'd say maybe this lasted five, six days, maybe a week later. Um, everything kind of subsided. It was, and I was finally able to feel things again. Everything was like brand new it was like this complete new new lease on life that i had really is like did the yeah. medication like uh suppress all your senses like or well it did for me i found it uh <clears throat> like i'm quite I, I consider myself quite an empathetic person and for those years i think i started medication in second year of secondary school and then stopped halfway through leaving search and for those years it's like a blur I don't remember I remember very little people tell me things and I go okay I found it very hard to be empathetic um I, I kind of this this weird side effect happened where every morning I'd either I'd be sitting there like it'd be like first or second class whatever it was and I'd either sneeze or get sick it was one <laughs> or the other it was so bizarre I'd be sitting there and I'd be going uh, uh, and then I'd either like get sick in my mouth or sn- it was bizarre. It was so fucking strange. Um, 
that's all I can really remember vividly from those like block of years when I was on medication. And when I went off it, it was just like life was completely different. I was, uh, wasn't as anxious, wasn't as depressed, still had up and down days. Um, but it, it was just completely different. Yeah, I heard um, a quote actually um, um, just regarding like um, antidepressants that like you live two years in one. So like yeah. it just takes the edge off completely. Oh, completely. Like every, every bit of drive you have, every bit of sort of like anything you have to get up in the, like you get up in the morning. And the one thing that stopped me from getting up in the morning would be because I was depressed or anxious about the day, but you literally turn into a like a, a robot who's an autopilot for however many years is it just like a and, neutral feeling or a numbness yeah and very neutral very numbness and it was <clears throat> i remember coming home from school like every day and i go what how in the name of god did like nine classes or whatever it was just go by there i don't remember any of it do you know did what it mean? affect your studying and your ability to learn like um I don't think so uh, I didn't do great in the junior search but uh, and it's it's mostly because I didn't care I kind of I didn't bother I wasn't arsed doing anything um and I didn't really have a problem with that obviously I regret it now well kind of I do and don't but um I don't think it had a major effect um I, I think if I was on medication or not, I still wouldn't have had that kind of desire to learn fucking algebra, whatever it was. Yeah. Um, yeah. So coming off the medication then and like experiencing things like kind of newly, um, did mm. you find that then you had to learn tools to deal with your anxiety, depression, and like manually rather than the medication? Yeah. Or did you that already was... like learn some on the way? <clears throat> you kind of learn it as you go um and actually in now that i'm older um i think especially when i was younger you felt anxiety you felt depression you felt all these things but you didn't really understand it and it was kind of i was scared of the idea of kind of coming and going and not being aware of it but as you get older you get kind of a a better grasp on it you become more self-aware of okay i'm feeling anxious now this is what i'm going to feel blah, 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 blah. Um, i think just as you get older awareness uh, your own awareness of it kind of helps um but I, for me i've never found like a particular tool or technique that has helped me even after kind of all that yeah, I sorry, I don't mean to sound patronizing there because um no. there is no, as I said, like tool or fix. Um it just must have been mad to get that like new awareness um of yeah. how you were feeling and to feel it so much more than you did all those years. Yeah, and um as an adult now I'm becoming quite aware. Uh okay, I'm not even though I'm twenty, twenty isn't a fucking adult. I will really? I don't think so anyways. Like I'm still a fucking child, you know. But um, I think I had a train of thought there. I think that, yeah, uh, coupled with um, kind of coming off the medication at, uh, like, I think I was 17, 18, um, 
kind of starting to feel things again and then also being given this responsibility of living on your own, going to a different county, um, starting this new college experience completely on your own was incredibly daunting. That, like it, it frightened the shite out of me, the whole experience, and it still is. Um, but I just, my, my heart goes out to people that have anxiety or have mental health issues and are <clears throat> dealing with this whole new college thing, especially COVID. COVID mm-hmm. fucked everything up for a lot of people. Mental health is through the floor. Like, it's, it's horrendous. Um, but, uh, yeah, I'd say it's really, really, really challenging for some people that don't talk about it or aren't as vocal as I am and haven't gone through so many counselling sessions, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And that's why, like, it's so um, amazing to... To, to vocalize it because you um for any person who's who's listening um and you know either can vocalize it don't know how like don't know the, yeah. the language to use and mm. it's like it makes all the difference like i remember the first time someone explained to me how they felt and i was like oh i feel like that too do you know it's yeah. So comforting. yeah yeah it brings yeah. people together like and it gives people it makes people less lonely you know when people are yeah. vulnerability like when people are willing to be vulnerable mm. it's yeah. it opens the door to so much more connection like usually yeah it can be it can be quite challenging um and actually from uh, because you're talking about like being vocal and kind of talking about it um for example i listened to your uh, first podcast from your first podcast to like the more recent ones even kind of getting talking about it or kind of starting the kind of journey of talking about it you get more eloquent talking about it you like you get more confident in talking about your own emotions you know what I mean absolutely it's like anything like a bit of practice and you do get better but like that first podcast like I I knew I thought it was a good idea and I just I wanted to do something like I didn't know exactly what it would be and I just said you know I would start like if I'm going to ask people to come on and talk about themselves and be vulnerable, like I'll start with myself. Um, yeah, but I remember the fear, like sitting there, I was like shaken. But then I was going to like delete it. But I was like, but what's the point? That's not vulnerable then. Like I can't contradict myself. Exactly. Yeah. But um, yeah, even um, I think. I think like to have a friend say um, I, I would never have started the podcast. Only Emma like made me and like mm. to have friends who support you when you're vulnerable. It's a gift luck. Oh, it's incredible. And that, that's why I think this podcast is an unbelievable idea, especially for, like, let's say someone starting college um, next year in September and there's no sweet FA about Galway, riddled with anxiety, and they come across this podcast of people in Galway that they probably never meet, you know, talking about these experiences. I think it's a fucking brilliant idea. And when you came to college first, did you know anybody? Did you go into a house that you knew nobody or? Um, I I had my best mate David uh, from Mullingar as well. He went to NUIG and I went to GMIT. Um, he's doing medicine, so um, he was kind of different. He was in a different circle. Didn't really want to intrude, so I kind of went into my college experience completely on my own. I was in digs, I think, for the first half of first year. Oh, that must have been so difficult. 
oh, it was diabolical. And your man was a god shite. He was <laughs> like, oh, I couldn't stand him. And he used to, like, we wouldn't be allowed in the sitting room. Wouldn't be allowed in the kitchen if his girlfriend was over. Like, he was this, and he was a civil engineer or something. I don't know, fucking weirdo. But um, <laughs> it, it was uh, it it was quite bizarre being so kind of, and and I was actually living out in where was it, Renmore or Ornmore. Like, I mean, it was a good bit out. It was like a bus into GMIT, and then I have to go see Cam Dozen. Um. But uh, coming into college, into college was quite daunting. It was, and it's actually quite weird to um, now that I think about it, to like look at the first people you met in college, and then look at who you know now. I know, it's, yeah, uh, that's so true. Bizarre. Yeah. Yeah, I remember my first friend I made, I met in college, and like I was like, like in my course, and I was like, oh, a new friend. And then, like yeah. after you're so excited, like your new college friend, and then after a week, you're like, "Oh my god, they're mental!" Like, how, how do I? Do I <laughs> yeah. yeah, what was I thinking? You do uh, music, don't you? Yeah, music in English. It was in my English course, not my music course. All oh, right, okay. Yeah. Calling, calling someone out. Yeah, <laughs> Christopher. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, and like, do you like your course? Um, I do. Um, I do, kind of. What are you um, studying? Sorry. Uh, animation and game design. Oh, okay. It's uh, it's good. I actually, I, I do really enjoy it. Um, struggle this year, serious decline in mental health, uh, quite severe. Um, but the, it's quite challenging having these mental health problems, and then also being a course where they demand creativity, and it has to have your own kind of personal touch on it, your own personal flair. And when when you actually cannot see that in yourself, your own kind of spark or fire or whatever got you into it, um, yeah. it can be it can be so difficult to kind of put yourself on paper essentially. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry to hear now that like this year has been so tough. I mean, it's just like I feel like it's we'll never be able to say how much how many people and how much COVID has affected everybody. Um, yeah, yeah. But I definitely can uh, like understand how it'd be so hard to be creative when you're so low and then the pressure yeah. building on that on top of that. Yeah, hugely. And um, there's an I'd say this goes across the board for every single person in Ireland or around the world in college and secondary school that that um, serious lack of communication between students, teachers, students, lecturers is like horrendous like there's been it's it's been very difficult to open up a conversation or to be able to have get feedback on your work like I'm very lucky that a lot of my classes are quite small like groups of 20 or 30 or whatever but if you're like trying to address 200 people that would or be in a lecture hall but you're looking at them through a computer screen it's um it's impossible to really help people Mm. And have you um like been in have your lectures been good like uh, for contact and stuff like that? Um they have and they haven't. There's been some there's been some great ones, ones that have uh, really, really kind of been there and they've gone, okay, I completely understand the situation you're in. Um I'll give you an extra day or we can have a private meeting and we can discuss it. And then there's lectures that actually will not uh, answer emails they won't text you back they won't 
um, like get in contact when you're struggling at all and you demand help and you're just not getting it. Yeah. Um, which can be absolutely frightening, especially when like there was a while there where I actually couldn't bring myself to go to classes because my anxiety was that bad. It was like like panic stations, fucking not fun at all. Um and then to try and explain that to lectures with like I'm hardly gonna uh, contact a lecturer and be like, oh blah blah blah, I tried to kill myself this time and I was diagnosed with this at a certain age because you like you don't want to tell a lecturer that, but then to turn around and say, oh, I'm incredibly anxious about panic attacks, that sometimes isn't enough reason for them, you know? I know, yeah. And then when you're feeling like that, to have to prove yourself is the worst, you know, that doesn't help anything. Having to explain, no. you know, explain and prove yourself and prove that, you know, your your emotions and state is valid. Mm, yeah. yeah, for sure. Yeah. 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 Um, um, what year are you in, Ben? Uh, second year. Um, so I will be going into third year in September. So like with the whole um, like COVID pandemic and everything, like, did you get a chance to like make friends and stuff because of, you know, you were probably only in the college a semester even. And like, how did you find that? Yeah. Um, in first year, I made some incredible friends that um, I'm still really good friends with now. Um, but uh, it's and what's quite uh, like challenging, especially when you have um, mental health issues. Um, all I find as well is uh, maintaining friendships, like especially during COVID. I look at I wasn't incredibly COVID conscious. I just left the house because I was, or I just didn't leave the house because I was uh, mentally not okay. Um, and it's very hard to express to friends um, that, oh, like, I'm sorry, I keep canceling, but I just can't do it now. Do you know what I mean? And I think yeah. Making friends, I think, is easy. Just keeping them is quite challenging. Yeah, that's so fair, though. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, like, do, are your closest friends, like, understandable? Or are they, you know, do they do they get it? Oh yeah, hugely. Um, but like, like they really do. I mean, I I've been very lucky that I've met some amazing people in my time in college so far. Um, but it's not. It's like um, it's like being gay. I think it's it's very similar that you don't want to define yourself by it. So you completely understand if they turn around and they're like oh, look, I can't deal with the you cancelling everything and you not going here. I'd be like, fuck it, that's so fair. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, actually, it is kind of like, yeah, in friendships, you suppose, like, people can state their needs and state what they're able to give. It's kind mm, of compatibility yeah. then, isn't it, Black? At the end of the day, like, that's all it is. And I think, like, the only way, like, I think a real friend would bring it up to you. Or a real friend would say, look, um, I understand you're struggling, but I need this from you. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I think, and I think that's, I mean, if a friend was to turn around and do that, or a friend ever does turn around and do that, I think they're a person to be valued in your life. Yeah, definitely. Wow. Um, so, so woke for your age, my God. 
<laughs> that's what fucking however many years of counseling does do yeah see look that is the upside even yeah. though like it might feel like it sometimes we like me and i remember talking about it once we're like is it better just to be oblivious like um but like yeah. um i do think like all everything that you go that you've gone through and would go through like it all stands to you because you're incredibly emotionally mature and aware and even uh, to the way you're able to describe it it's amazing like mm, yeah well i mean look it's everyone kind of has their way of doing things or talking about things so everyone's different yeah yeah true um okay so i um we is there any other topics that you'd like to go into or anything else that um, you want to talk about I'm easy. I could honestly. I'm a. I'm a fucker. I could talk for forever. Thank God I don't drink on me. So um, <laughs> whatever, whatever you think. Yeah. Um. I might actually just ask you. Like. Um. Would I do the questions? Do you think? Yeah. Yeah. I might ask you like um a few questions like just how we like um end the podcast or whatever. Um, okay. So what um advice would you give anyone? Um. Let me think about this now. Anyone struggling in secondary school? Anyone struggling in secondary school? Like with anxiety um, or whatever? Very little of their life has actually begun. Um, there's every single, like there's nothing I remember from secondary school that was substantial or that has even benefited me that much today points don't really mean shit um friendships won't like they come and go um i don't know just kind of go with the flow of it i suppose there's um and if you're having trouble with other people fuck them because they're just as kind of stupid if not stupid stupid than you mm. <laughs> Good advice. Um, advice to somebody um, leaving Leave Insert, heading into second or heading into college for the first time. Ooh. Um, it's fun. Don't fail first year, and try everything once. Good advice. That's good. Okay. One more. Can you think of a good one? Ooh. Um, I suppose advice for um, like uh, young people maybe battling with their mental health or know they're anxious or something along that lines that are seeking help. What would you do? Um, <clears throat> that is a tough one only because because I have very little faith in the kind of CAMS team and the uh, mental health teams that deal with children and teenagers. But I think the best thing you can do really is talk to an understanding adult. If you know your mom or dad's a gobshite and they're going to go, oh, we'll just toughen up, don't ask them. Ask your neighbour, ask someone else. Because a lot of the time I found it more beneficial when I was looking someone in the eyes and it was a, like a, a genuine conversation 
yeah i think there's something quite but a therapist listening to you about someone else look at everyone's different but i just suggest talking to an older person or even like your older brother's older friend do you know what i mean your older sister's older friend because and i'm kind of only realizing this now that people older than you actually kind of do know more than you which i'm still kind of (laughs) do you know what i mean so it's kind of i i think it's always just good to talk about it with one special person or um a few special people you know yeah absolutely that's great advice yeah um yeah and thank you so so much for coming on no it was brilliant i loved it i I could talk shite for hours so yeah um yeah so like i'll just uh stop the recording now but we can chat away mother's day is almost here and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around a watch she can wear every day for movement whether mom's into classic dress watches rare and refined ceramics or tried and true bestsellers movement has something she'll love and right now you can save big on the best mother's day gift ever with up to 50 percent off site-wide during movement's mother's day sale at mvmt.com again that's up to 50 percent off at mvmt.com when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.